0: Hello, humans of the internet. Do you like hockey? How sad are you, listeners, now that the hockey season is over? Well, we're going to get into it real quick-like here. My name is Dave Block. And I'm Scott McIntyre. And we are Just Another Hockey Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in, listeners. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Just Another Hockey Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, yes, indeed, Scott, the NHL season has officially come to a close uh, and they are still celebrating in Vegas. Uh, the Stanley cup has been handed out and it belongs to sin city six years into the NHL and the Vegas golden Knights are Stanley cup champions, just as owner bill Foley had predicted a uh, very dominating uh, game five victory over the Florida Panthers uh, by a count of nine to three to take the series four games to one on home ice. Uh, in quite a uh, spectacular fashion that they just truly dominated Florida. Although it was a pretty close game for a while, uh, you know, two nothing after one period, uh, Florida cut it down to the two, one deficit and actually were putting on quite a bit of pressure in that uh, first half of the second period. But then Vegas with a couple of long sustained possessions, it really looked like power plays a uh, one where uh, Colin white, uh, broke his stick and uh, Vegas scoring on both of those chances. And that just took the air out of the room for the Florida Panthers. And the romp was on at that point.
1: Yeah, it was definitely got to the point where Vegas, you got the sense that they were like, okay, enough of this. It's two to one, you know, Florida scored quickly into the second. And Vegas said just enough. We're, we're done. We're not going to game six. Uh, I counted three shifts, for Florida that were two minutes plus um, and they were almost back to back to back. So it, it was, I mean, domination to the point of, uh, I think if uh, there was a mercy rule, it would have been enacted because you, you could just tell Florida was completely out of gas. They had no more, I don't want to say will to go, but they just, they had nothing left to pull up and push. And Vegas was just rolling. And that was it. You could tell this was it. Like you said, especially after those those two
0: back to back goals uh, in the second period, where they had those those two long uh, shifts that uh, just kept the Florida defenders on the ice for uh, you know two minutes plus. Uh, yeah, completely just uh, depleted and defeated. Uh, you saw it especially, I think, on the face of Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, uh, you know, he was he was. Had no chance on several of the goals that he wound up letting in, and uh, you know, he's just looking up to the skies, you know, it's like, please give me some help there. Just, just put me out of my misery at
1: this point. yeah, <laughs> it, oh, was, it, yeah. Was, it, it was. I mean, just like that. It was again. You, they were throwing everything at Florida, and Florida just had no answer. Uh-huh. There were a couple games this year, you know, series. I mean, this whole series really was all Vegas. Um, Florida had that gasp of, you know, in game three where they they did win, but it took overtime. Um, So it was just, Florida just had, the way they had to play, let's be honest, the way they had to play throughout the playoffs, they had to play a super physical, rough and tumble game. And, Vegas didn't have to play that way in any of their series. They had a fairly easy road through Winnipeg, Oilers, and Dallas. uh, They they did. They had a fairly easy road, and none of those teams were super physical on them. Um, They were relatively healthy, and they had the skill and depth to just take everything Florida could throw at them and dish it right back. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't give Vegas the credit
0: or think of them really as being as physically punishing of a team but uh, you know they were very much up to task for all that Florida was throwing at them and uh, evidenced by uh, a trade deadline acquisition uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, you know throwing the body around particularly the big game 3 hit on uh, Matthew Kachuk that uh, clearly affected his play the remainder of the way uh, limited minutes in game 4 and of course you know the big news the scratch for Game five, just in advance of the contest, and uh, all will be revealed once the playoffs are over. And the verdict was fractured sternum. people chuck, "Holy shit!"
1: Yeah, and they flat out came out and said it was the Colossar hit that did it. It was um, the Colossar hit, not the Barbashev hit. So, yes, the Colossar hit. Yeah, uh, so. The Barbashev. fact that he even played Game four was amazing. Um yes. because it, it came out again. As you said, after the fact, and his brother was staying with him down in Florida. And I guess his brother had to help him get out of bed after the pregame nap. And his teammates had to literally help him dress, tie his skates, put his jersey on all that so he could play in game four. And he scored a goal. Like he made, he had several strong or no, he didn't score a goal. Not in game four, Uh, but he, he had several strong plays and, you know, he, you could tell he was hurting, but who isn't at this point? But the, to play, to tr- you know, to actually play and try to continue to play with a fractured sternum, it's just, it, it's insane. Yeah, he came back in
0: game three, and yeah, he scored the game tying goal that, that uh, forced overtime that allowed uh, Carter Verhagee to score the game winner in game three that uh, gave... Florida, it's lone victory in the series. But uh, yeah, I mean, just to be able to come back from that hit during that game, where again, the injury was sustained at that point and to be back a few days later to try playing again, his minutes were limited. I know much was made in the pregame warmup in game four, where uh, a lot of eyes noticing that, uh, you know, Kachuk didn't take a single shot. During the warm-up, uh, just skated around, uh, getting loose, and uh, you know his minutes were limited. Uh, he wasn't as effective, and uh, you know, obviously leading to him not being able to play. And uh, just, just evident that something was severely wrong. And uh, you know, lo and behold, now that the uh, uh, the medic report has come out, as uh, I think that's always one of the the highlights for hockey fans, just to see. Uh, just the, uh, you know, the mash report, uh, you know, the, you know, the dossier from the infirmary of, uh, just all of the injuries sustained, uh, by the players that have made it this far into the playoffs, uh, advancing to the Stanley cup final. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's this year's, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron punctured lung injury.
1: Uh, that's, that's, that's on par with that. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, kind of the whole list was, what was it? Uh, Ekblad had a broken foot, two separate shoulder separations, two torn uh, obliques. Uh, Gudis was playing, or Montour was playing with a torn labrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gudis, I don't think I saw anything on like Gudis, but I know he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen the official full list yet, which normally takes a, a week or two to really come out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, Maurice kind of said after the, after the uh, post game interview that there are several guys that will not be ready for the beginning of next year. Uh, one of them you have to think is going to be all right. One of them is Zach Blatt. I know he had, uh, I believe shoulder surgery. Kachuk should be okay. They think he'll heal up. Okay. Um, but that's going to cut into his off-season training. I mean, these guys have just beaten and battered, and Vegas is too. But no one makes a big deal out of it because you know they won. So yes, yeah, I think that with all of those
0: Florida injuries, again, uh, once the full reports come out, uh, yeah, just turn that into like a, a jingle like the uh, the 12 days of Christmas at this point just to you know splice in all of those injuries at this point. They're like holy cats. that is God. absolutely unbelievable. So but again, a phenomenal effort from the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, Jonathan Marchessault, one of the original golden misfits uh, from the original, Vegas team uh, from uh, 2017-18 named the Conn Smythe Award winner and uh, really that you could make the case for again another four or five additional Vegas Golden Knights teammates there again Jack Eichel and his playoff debut uh, had a phenomenal postseason Uh, Mark Stone of course the captain with the hat trick in the clinching game and uh, just phenomenal uh, clutch moments uh, throughout the entirety of the playoffs Uh, um, Aiden Hill Again, outdueling Sergei Bobrovsky uh, between the pipes during the final, coming in early in the series with Edmonton, uh, winning 11 games, uh, posting a 932 uh, save percentage, uh, uh, and you know, no doubt earning himself a very substantial payday uh, come free agency as he'll be a UFA. Uh, so, again, just many colossal key efforts for Vegas and uh, just truly showing their depth uh, with 12 different players that uh, had at least 10 points in the Stanley cup run for Vegas, uh, just, and their depth proving to be uh, a little too much for Florida.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the depth for sure, uh, you know, Keegan Colasar had a great final and he's their fourth line guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Waugh, who's not a four, like they played him as a fourth line guy who, but he's not a fourth line guy. you know those guys really showed their depth and their ability to help out the Knights teams. Uh, and again like you just see that the Knights came into the series with more pep in their step. Uh, they weren't quite as abused physically uh, and they could answer any, anything that Florida threw their way. They could answer it and throw it right back at Florida. Um, you saw it in the first two games where Florida really tried to intimidate them after the whistle, get them involved in the post game scr- or post whistle scrums and, uh, all that, you know, hack and whack bullshit that always happens in the playoffs. And Vegas for the most part, wasn't engaging. They would stand there and just take it and laugh in their face. Um, And, you know, Kachuk got dinged in the first game for a a misconduct for punching Nick Hague in the face Uh, while Nick Hague was in a headlock. He got hit with a a misconduct, not a game misconduct, but a misconduct, Um, took two misconducts in the second game. And then all of a sudden, of course, it turned into playoff hockey and the whistles went away. Uh, But you just saw that, that Vegas wasn't intimidated by anything Florida did. Mm hmm.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the cherry on top for Vegas, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, marchiso being the Smythe winner, you know, a guy that they acquired from the Florida Panthers, along with Riley Smith in uh, just all of the, uh, the pre expansion draft dealings uh, where again, Vegas was very savvy in the moves that they, they tried to make uh, as far as acquiring capital for their teams, uh, you know, acquiring players, uh, with the promise that they would uh, pick certain people in the expansion draft. And, uh, you know, just interesting, you know, the glory of hindsight here, how they uh, left uh, March so unprotected. They dealt Riley Smith so Vegas would take March so, uh, And in the process, protecting uh, the likes of Mark Pissick and uh, Alec Petrovich. So, yeah, so I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean uh, they're not the only team that got fleeced in that manner by Vegas. And uh, and again, it's not like people when that initial roster was composed from the expansion draft with thought, Oh, this is a team that's instantly going to win the Stanley cup, uh, or go to the Stanley cup final in their first year. So, but uh, again, truly embracing that, uh, that whole golden misfits moniker and, uh, just fitting with the way that, uh, Vegas went about with the, uh, you know, the handoff of the Stanley cup from captain Mark stone, going to Smith, going to March. going to Carlson McNabb, uh, you know, uh, Carrier. You know, the remaining Golden misfits from that inaugural Golden Knights team. Uh, you know, just something that uh, just kind of puts a different spin on that. That it, it wasn't just the uh, the the first old guy without a cup, but uh, you know, just paying a little uh, homage to uh, that original
1: Vegas team. Well, and it was kind of the theme for the team anyway. Because look at Aiden Hill, the Sharks traded him for a fourth round pick. Uh, Jack Eichel was, depending on how you look at it, run out of Buffalo because he wanted to get a certain surgery. Those are guys that were cast off from their team because their teams didn't want them. Mm-hmm. And that just keeps adding to the, the mythicism of uh, Vegas. You know, They're the team of misfits.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your point with, uh, with Eichel, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Vegas showing the gumption and the willingness to say this is a surgery that you need to have uh, where Buffalo didn't want to do it because it was unproven. No other NHL player had had this uh, vertebral disc replacement surgery. And now, now there have been a handful of other players that have had it since seeing how much of a success that it's been for Jack Eichel. And uh, again, obviously Eichel key in this run of Vegas's leading score, the leading score in the NHL playoffs this, this season here with a 26 total points, uh, yeah, kind of having the last laugh on that uh, class of uh, twenty fifteen. Uh, you know, with uh, Connor McDavid, you know, has a a whole room full of other hardware, but uh, missing uh, hockey's holy grail from his uh, resume still at this point. Uh, you know, so so and and uh, you mentioning here too uh, pre podcast pre recording that uh, Jack Eichel now becomes the first player to make uh, eight figures, uh, ten million plus, uh, to now have his name etched on the cup.
1: Yeah. So it can be done for sure. And it, yeah, it was a great playoff run for them. Well, again,
0: now that the, uh, the Stanley cup final has been completed, the chalice has been handed out, uh, some other news happening across the league. Uh, it wasn't just on the ice action, but, uh, some, uh, additional off the ice happenings uh, when it comes to uh, front office personnel particularly uh, the last of the uh, NHL head coaching openings uh, being filled uh, starting off uh, this week with uh, with Calgary promoting uh, assistant coach uh, Ryan Huska up to head coach to replace uh, Ryan Sutter uh, Huska you know a guy that's uh, been an assistant for the last 5 years for Calgary he'd been head coach of the uh, Flames AHL affiliates the four years prior to that. And uh, you know maybe most known for uh, being head coach of the uh, Kelowna Rockets of the Western league uh, leading them to the 09 uh, Western league championship and all the way to the uh, Memorial cup final that uh, 08-09 team uh, for Kelowna featuring uh, such future NHLers like Jamie Ben Tyson, Barry Tyler Myers and uh, current Calgary flame Michael Backlund.
1: Yeah, uh, don't know much about this guy other than it seems like he's slowly been working his way up as a head coach in some scenarios. And just it's um, they picked him. I guess there was some talk about the current head coach of the their AHL team. I can't remember his name uh, that he might be picked, but it's they will Huska instead. Sounds like it sounds like he's more of a uh, uh, player coach, which after Daryl Sutter, I think a rock would be more of a player coach anyway. So, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, yeah. And certainly very much in keeping with uh, Calgary's offseason moves of kind of keeping things more in-house with uh, Flames alumni, again, with Huska being hired internally. You know, they hired uh, Craig Conroy to be the GM and uh, now uh, the hiring of a Jerome Ginla as a special assistant to the GM. So, uh, again, very much kind of that uh, former Flame kind of semi-cronyism uh, that, uh, you know, Philly has become so famous for uh, with, uh, with their hires, uh, hiring, hiring, anybody that uh, has played in uh, a Flames jersey now uh, being associated uh, in their, their front office at this point. Uh, so, uh, Again, an interesting offseason uh, ahead for the Flames uh, with uh, a number of players entering their uh, their final season under contract. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, the aforementioned uh, Michael Backlund, Noah Hannafin, just to, to name a few. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Flames go in uh, the direction of uh, really pushing forward forward. Uh, after kind of a lackluster season this past year if they still fancy themselves as contenders or if they uh, decide to start selling the farm so we we shall see so uh, and the other coaching hire that happened this week uh, uh the big hire in uh Manhattan the New York Rangers getting their guy in Peter Laviolette uh, uh, recently uh, deposed uh, disposed of uh, by the Washington Capitals and uh, a guy that uh, has had pretty good track record early on with his new teams. Uh, Again, his very first season with Carolina's first full season. That is Uh, Carolina won the Stanley cup in 05 06. His first full season with the Philadelphia flyers took them all the way to the finals. It took uh, three seasons in Nashville to get to the finals, but a guy that's kind of got a track record for getting a lot out of his teams early on in his tenure and uh, be interesting to see what he does with this uh, talented Ranger
1: squad. Well, I mean, you go from one coach that has a a, fin- a finite shelf life to uh, another coach. That's got one uh, granted. I will say from everything I've heard, they kind of are exact opposites of each other. Whereas the, uh, Uh, Gerard Gallant seems more of a freewheeling let the players play type of coach and Laviolette seems like a more structured coach Um, I I mean the the big thing to remember is they both get a lot out of their teams early on and then it fades well the Rangers are in win now mode so they don't have time for you to build up this team they need results now Which is what they're going with with these honestly these past two coaches, but for sure Peter Laviolette he's a get results now coach. Yeah, no doubt
0: uh, GM Chris Drury uh, seeing that uh, the window. Maybe starting to close on this team, uh, you know, there's you know a lot of talent on it, but uh, you know an interesting off season that uh, they are going to have with uh, uh, just a little under 12 million in cap space, uh, and uh, what to do with their their uh, trade deadline acquisitions of Patrick Kane. Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola, which uh, I think it's safe to say that the uh, the RFA signings uh, of uh, Alexis Lafreniere and Keandre Miller probably taken more precedent as far as uh, what that remaining cap space is going to take up for the Rangers. But uh, yeah, very much a uh, lackluster end of the season, uh, getting dumped by New Jersey uh, in the first round after uh, going all the way to the conference finals last year. Uh, yeah, New York wanting a little bit more and uh, looking to Laviolette to be that guy to get them there. Again, a guy that kind of has that same, uh, we talked so much about the, the Pete DeBoer effect uh, with the, uh, the way that he just shoots his team out of a cannon early on. And then uh, that kind of fades as time passes. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this coming season. So um, more news uh In terms of franchise sales, it sounds like uh, the Ottawa Senators, after being uh, courted by some pretty uh, high-profile people, uh, uh, Hollywood types like the likes of uh, Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg, uh, apparently the Senators are to be purchased by uh, uh, Toronto billionaire uh, Michael Andlauer leading up a a group that's uh, looking to purchase the Sens uh, at a price tag of uh, what would be a new NHL record of uh, $950 million, just shy of a cool billion at this point. Uh, the rub being uh, currently Ann Lau or somebody that currently uh, owns 10% of the Montreal Canadiens, so that will be uh, a share of uh, the Habs that will have to be uh, vetted and dealt with prior to the purchase. But, uh, uh, of course, this will all go to a league approval uh, amongst the remaining
1: owners in the NHL. Which just sounds like a formality at this point. It sounds Mm -hmm. depending on who you listen to. It sounds like this was kind of where uh, Gary Bettman wanted this whole process to go anyway. Um, Famously, the, the Nico Sparks group doesn't have the money. Uh, The Reynolds group got upset because they weren't given exclusive negotiating window. And then the, um, I can't remember the other one. They pulled out just saying that the, the, the whole process was taking uh frustrate, It was just a frustrating process that just, you know, seems par for the course for the NHL. And yeah, they got their guy. I mean, as you said, he's part owner of the Canadiens, which he will have to relinquish in some way, shape, or form. And uh, the interesting part of this is the. Melnick daughters remain re, maintain ten percent in perpetuity. So even if Ann Lauer sells this a uh, few years down the line, they will maintain a ten percent ownership of the team.
0: So a permanent minority share remaining in the Melnick family uh, again for uh, for perpetuity, from the sounds of things, for this uh, this Ottawa hockey
1: franchise and. Uh, and that that sounds like that was a sticking point for a lot of the uh, bids as well. So, um, whether it was the Melnick family being kind of obnoxious in their requests, I've heard things that they wanted the buyer to cover their taxes, um, which is just that. Like from what everyone's saying, that just that's not how it works. The seller pays their taxes and Canada, you know, stuff like this, there's obviously special taxes and all that stuff. So um, it it just sounds like a weird process that kind of should, shouldn't have taken as long as it did. And uh, you know, obviously the NHL does want to do their due diligence so that the people who are saying they can purchase this team, does you don't want another one of those, you know, New York, New York Islanders, where the guy who buys the team is really just a fraud and a, a literal crook? Um, mm-hmm. So I understand that part, but some of the stuff I, I feel like it's just the NHL being the NHL and making this way more difficult than it has to be.
0: Well, Gary Bettman uh, putting his foot in his mouth and uh, getting in his own way. So uh, you know, how, how dare you say such things? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Ben t- Safe to say, here again, there'll probably be a few other uh, you know, things happening with uh, uh, teams in the front office. Again, uh, you know, all the coaching hires have been made. Again, we, we would be remiss if we uh, did not uh, mention the uh, Anaheim hiring of Greg Cronin, something that truly slipped under the radar. That uh, you know, I was just made aware of about uh, uh, 20 minutes before we started recording. There, it's something that happened uh, a week ago. Uh, again, a guy that uh, came from uh, the Uh, Colorado Eagles, the Avalanche's AHL affiliate, and uh, somebody with uh, nearly forty years of a college hockey experience at Colorado College, University of Maine, Northeastern University. Uh, So a guy that uh, again, credit to Anaheim for not going the uh, the old recycled head coach route. Although uh, uh, in doing so, uh, you know, you know, they really had very little
1: fanfare with this hire. Well, and you know, now that I've kind of simulated it again it makes sense because they're a young team and this is a coach who's got familiarity coaching young players
0: yeah and
1: a team that has very little expectations i
0: mean it doesn't really make sense for uh, the ducks to go out and uh, hire a big name big money coach uh, just not something that uh, the ducks organization group i'm sure has uh, any real interest uh, in you know spending that kind of cash to coach this team i think they're more focused on uh what they're going to be paying to uh, Trevor Egress and Troy Terry in their uh, their new deals as they uh, go RFA at this point uh, so so again all 32 of the uh, NHL coaching jobs uh, essentially filled uh, with the uh, Mike Babcock hire uh, in Columbus uh, You know, expected to be made official once his uh, final paycheck clears with uh, Toronto come uh, June 30th. Uh, And then, of course, the start of free agent frenzy at this point. Uh, Again, I believe the only team that needs a general manager at this point is Pittsburgh. And, of course, Kyle Dumas is president of hockey operations, may well hire himself uh, or just most likely uh, hire out to uh, somebody else. uh, Hey, he's
1: got an assistant GM. He does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jason Spezza coming over from Toronto. So again, you know, let the, uh, the continued poaching of the Maple Leafs begin uh, You know, we'll see if they're able to attract a uh, Leafs AGM, uh, Brandon Pridham. So we shall see, but I think every other team has a general manager uh, in place at this point. There may be a few other minor moves in the front offices as a, uh, you know, retirements and other uh, restructuring takes place, but uh, you know, it seems like things are pretty stable now at this point. So it really kind of comes down to uh, the signings at this point, uh, which uh, one of those signings taking place today, actually, uh, you know, talking about the RFACs and restricted free agency, uh, the devil's having a couple of big ones and, uh, you know, inking uh, a big part of their future. in Jesper Brat being signed for uh, eight years at uh, 63 million. That's uh, a 7.875
1: million per year. annual contract value per year. You know what that means, though? That's his jersey number, Dave. Yeah. He gets his jersey number in his contract. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, you kind of figure they were going to make a move like this, letting Severson go, um, not re-signing him, kind of keep money free to I mean, after the year Jesper brought had last year, you just can't let that guy go. So this makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the Devils with a lot of cap room still remaining, uh, uh, nearly 26.5 million. But they only have six forwards signed now, uh, and that's with – rat signing today and, of course, uh, another big RFA looming in uh, Timo Meyer and uh, somebody that's starting off with a $10 million qualifier at this point. So uh, whether they uh, decide to do a long-term deal at uh, uh, lesser value remains to be seen. Uh, but, uh, again, let the signings begin at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, they are under cap floor. I mean, so... They've got money to burn.
0: Yep. Yeah. At this moment here.
1: Wow. Carolina being
0: one of the teams under the cap floor. I mean, I expected to see the likes of Arizona, Detroit, Chicago, and Anaheim at that point, but uh, yeah, Carolina, uh, one of the teams currently uh, under the cap floor, but uh, of course, uh, Sebastian Ajo being one of those players, that's going to be due an extension uh, as well here. So uh, yeah, free agent frenzy starting July 1st uh, the NHL awards uh coming up June 26th and the draft uh the 28th and 29th of June so absolutely uh, some some big days ahead for the NHL but uh you know a couple other quick stories we'll make mention of here uh before we sign off for uh, what would be the uh, 2022-23 season uh a story coming out of Montreal uh, regarding uh, Canadiens legend uh, Henri Richard uh, the uh, the pocket rocket uh, uh, found to have stage three CTE at the time of his death uh, somebody that donated his body to science donated his brain and uh, lo and behold uh, evidence of a CTE significant CTE at the time of his death three years ago
1: yeah I mean uh, not surprised I mean he wasn't an enforcer but he played in a very rough and tumble era of hockey Absolutely. So,
0: yeah, something that was a very, uh, I guess, not surprising to those of us that know that, uh, you know, the repeated trauma that this is what happens in this sport, uh, you know, despite the, you know, the denial of that by, uh, you know, the powers that be in the NHL. Again, looking at you, Mr. Batman. So, yeah. you know whether that's something that uh, causes him to uh, reverse his stance on that. Uh, again, something we'll uh, we'll have to see with uh, other future autopsies, perhaps there. So, but uh, yeah.
1: So uh, here's one more thing. Yeah, the completely changing topics off of uh, the pocket rocket. Who, uh, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are set to sell a minority stake for 1.4 billion dollars well so you know, that kind of puts the uh the ottawa
0: sale uh you know kind of making that almost pale in comparison because again just a minority share not not the full uh the the majority jeff vinnick share we're talking here correct yes yeah 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 something that uh yeah i know that 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 story's uh floating around here today uh you know Kind of really sparking the uh, the discussion of franchise values at this point, and uh, uh, you know, are there going to be more franchise sales? Uh, you know, people looking to cash out while the market is hot at this point.
1: I don't know. I mean, I know there uh, was last year, a few years before that, the Tampa Bay sold a stake to some corporation in some way that was just deemed legal i i this is the money side of it i'm not sure I, I or i don't i'm not sure i know i don't understand it the way most people do but this i mean that's just that's crazy yeah yeah
0: 1.3 billion so that's It's
1: a lot of zeros uh, at the end of those uh, that 1.4 yeah he's sure. selling 20 percent for one point four billion dollars. So he still owns seventy percent because I think he sold ten percent to um, to the corporation. I just can't find it. So but or there might be a minority owner somewhere, but it's just that's insane. Wow.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. That that amount of money is uh, just absolutely staggering to me, and I just I just can't even fathom that uh, that concept of that much money at this point here. So, and while of course now the NHL season is over, there there is still a little bit of hockey remaining in the hockey world. Uh, the uh, of course the top uh, minor league, uh, the American Hockey League, the AHL, uh, currently in its Calder Cup final at this point, uh, game four. Tonight in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, as the Hershey Bears down two games to one against the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds, uh, of course the uh, top minor league affiliates of uh, Washington, uh, with Hershey and uh, Coachella Valley in Seattle, uh, you know, a team that. Future's kind of looking bright with Seattle with some of the uh the young contributors. I'm seeing Ty Cartier on this uh roster for Coachella Valley. He was a guy that had a couple of big goals uh in Seattle's playoff run. Of course, Shane Wright, uh their uh young draft pick uh, that's uh, on the Coachella Valley roster. And uh, I don't know if you scanned through either of these teams' rosters, but uh, uh you know who the uh, the Hershey captain is? No, who is it? It'd be a former uh Grand Rapids Griffin, uh, Dylan McElrath. No. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did get signed by the Capitals, didn't he? Right. Former New York Rangers first-round pick, Dylan McElrath. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, I guess uh, the big thing of note, uh, Chris Dreeger with a pair of shutouts. Uh, uh, is it is not Drieger, is it Was it Dreeger is it Decord that had the shutouts? Maybe it was Decord. Yeah. I thought it was Dreeger. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might have been Joey Decord uh, that had them uh, for uh, for Coachella Valley, of course, winning both games uh, in shutout fashion uh, on home ice. Uh, but uh, Hershey getting back on the the right side of things with an overtime victory in Game Three, looking to even up the series tonight for the uh, the Calder Cup final. And uh, yeah, the the way that the AHL tears their playoffs uh, because I know that they're the schedules are weighted differently uh, just because of the the cost of travel involved that uh, that most of the teams in the, the the western division tend to play more of one another rather than head cross country to take on the teams out east it's it's something that i i haven't really fully comprehended the way that they do that but uh, knowing that uh, these teams even though they're they're nhl affiliates they they are independently owned and uh, you're fitting their own bill for uh, for travel and other expenses
1: so. see i thought that if you were owned you're in a partnership with the nhl team they foot some of them not all of it i know they pay the staff uh because a lot of teams their assistant G, uh, gm is the head gm of the ahl team mm-hmm. uh, But I know, because that was the big thing with the Chicago Wolves. They wanted to go completely independent, no affiliation with any team. Um, They would pay their way 100%. So that was what was kind of kind of surprising about that. Is because a lot of these teams can't, I shouldn't say can't, would have a very hard time existing without the help of an NHL team. Mm -hmm. And knowing the way
0: that most of the AHL teams are configured to where geographically they are now playing so much closer to their parent club, uh, just in the interest of having a call up more readily available rather than uh, having to jettison somebody across country uh, like the way it had been uh, where for so many Western Conference teams where they had their AHL teams kind of based out east. uh, Now, I think there's been. Much more of a uh, a proliferation of teams. Like I remember, the the LA Kings used to have their uh, uh, their AHL team in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, the Manchester Monarchs, and now it's uh, it's in California. In uh, Ontario is
1: the uh, Ontario Reign. Yeah, there was a big movement that a few years back, and then for a few years too, the um, uh, they would do a percentage to winning. They would go off winning percentage, not by points. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the NHL, or AHL rather, is for a feeder league, they are a little more cutting edge than the NHL. Mm-hmm. And I know that that tends to be,
0: of course the, the testing grounds for a lot of the rule proposals to see how well it works in the NH the AHL before those rules get adopted in the AHL. I remember many of the, the rule changes that came after the, uh, the full season NHL lockout uh, in Oh four 05, uh those AHL teams were, were doing that with the, uh, uh, the tighter calls on obstruction, uh, the, uh, you know, removing the red line uh, for two line passes, uh, uh a lot of those rule changes, uh, you know, coming about in the AHL before uh, the NHL said, uh, you know, we'll sign on for that. You know, all those things that get uh, proposed in the uh, research and development uh,
1: in the off season. Well, yeah, in the seven minute overtime, the four on four dropped to three on three. That's mm-hmm. was um, it didn't. Well, it started in the AHL, but they kept it for a full year while the NHL went straight three on three. Yep. So, yeah, kind of a, a little bit of a, a try it here, first league. I know they've tried to get away from that a little bit uh, because they are a business. They are their own entity and all that stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, not, they're not a
0: science experiment. or right. it, but, uh, but in a lot of ways, they really kind of are. So
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, and I'm sure they'd be more open to it along with uh, if they got more money from the NHL. And, I, and not to keep going down the AHL rabbit hole, but it sounded like a month or so ago, the uh, I think Scott Housen, the current commissioner of the AHL, was almost forced out because a lot of the teams felt like he was too buddy-buddy with the NHL. Mm. So, just, uh, it, I mean, you got to remember, they are their own league, and they do have to run as such. Yeah, I know that
0: was a big deal when they
1: uh, uh, had to hire a replacement for Dave
0: Andrews, who had been the commissioner of the AHL for so long. Uh, you know, it was uh, no small task, and you know, understandably, uh, some some concerns being brought up with the uh, the regime of uh, Scott Housen. so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, Anderson was there forever too. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good 20 plus years, I believe. Yeah. That sounds sounds right. Yeah.
0: So, so at this point, I mean, that really kind of draws a close to things for uh, the podcast and, uh, you know, another NHL season. Like we said, a couple of big events that are uh, in route in coming weeks here, the NHL awards coming up June 26th, uh, the NHL draft uh, in Nashville on the 28th and 29th free agent frenzy at the the start of the fiscal year, uh, Canada day, July 1st. So, uh, we'll be kind of popping in and out uh, for some uh, podcasts here and there over the summer. Uh, we'll probably wait for uh, like the first week, week and a half of free agent frenzy to hit and, uh, you know, kind of come out with, uh, with our, our thoughts on the, the moves that, uh, that transpire. So uh, again, fans, give us a listen uh, and, uh, Keep an eye on our Twitter feed for updates on things, uh, as the off season progresses. But, uh, you know, Scott and I, I think are going to go pretty much into a summertime mode here, uh, for, uh, you know, up until we start getting close to training camp.
1: Yeah. Summer mode is, uh, I'm ready. I mean, the weather's not ready, but I'm ready. Yeah. I mean,
0: uh, you know, not quite ready to go full on uh, Bobby Margarita uh, at this point, but uh, uh, so it's I don't have uh, that kind of money. So yeah. Yeah. Do any of us <laughs> recording podcasts uh, out of our own homes? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Safe to say that we don't here. so, but, uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for uh, the podcast for this week. Be sure to tune into just another hockey podcast. Uh, you know, I don't know. And, Sometime in July, you'll hear from us again. So uh, while you're at it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Just Another Hockey Podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts from. And uh, for updates on uh, when we're going to be recording again, uh, keep an eye on us on our Twitter account. You'll find us at Just A Hockey Pod is the handle there, as well as on our individual Twitter handles. I am at Super Dave TC. And I'm at S underscore Meckin. And there we have it, Scott. We shall draw the 2022-23 NHL season. We shall draw it to a close. This has been just another hockey podcast, listeners. My name is Dave Block. And I'm Scott McIntyre. We will see you sometime this summer. And uh, until then, happy hockey off season, everyone.